What the fuck? We're having a podcast. Just, uh, just trying to, just trying to fill some dead air. You need this, okay? You need it now, don't you? Yeah, that seems pretty good. Right. Sounds horrible. Check. Check one. You're like, hey, guess Check what? I can kick yeah. you in the Can't go 
There's no sun up in the sky Stormy weather It's my man and I together Keeps raining all the time Oh, life is bad Poor old self together The blues walked in and met me And if he stays away That old rocking chair gonna get me All I do is pray Yeah, the Lord above will let me Walk in the sun once more Bear friend. Oh my God. <laughs>
I think I th- I'd like to think um, my jams often win out because I'm so bad at playing along with other people. You're listening to Bear Friend Tea Party, the world's only Woo! and most serious podcast. My name is Christopher Winter, and I'm joined on the program tonight by deep-thinking intellectual D. Gunnard Beamish. Never felt better. Uh, stay-at-home cat owner. Jeremy Mullis of North Carolina. Yeah. Seriously. And distinguished gentleman, Dr. Jonathan Bumpers. Named individual speaking. Jeremy, what's on the program tonight? God damn it. Um, <laughs> in cut, cut back in here. <laughs> on the program tonight, we'll be doing our annual serious episode. Um... Segment one, a serious discussion of the article Dark Leviathan by Henry... Did you say Leviathan? How should I pronounce it? Leviathan. Leviathan? Leviathan. Leviathan. Okay. Segment one, we'll have a serious discussion of Dark Leviathan, an essay by... No, you know what? Say, Say Leviathan. It's funnier. Segment one, a serious discussion of the article Dark Leviathan by Henry Farrell. Uh, segment two, we'll have a serious discussion of <laughs> The AI Revolution, The Road to Superintelligence by Tim Urban. And for segment three, we'll lighten things up a bit with uh, <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield one-liners delivered flatly and without emotion. And for segment four, we'll have a serious discussion on time travel, solid state model versus many worlds model. Which is better? I think that's it. Before we launch into our, uh, you know, all that stuff, we'd like to do our, uh, we've got to do our listener feedback and corrections and addenda. So let me just reach into the mailbag here. Does any, uh... <laughs> Fuck, that is a lot of mail. Instead of reaching into the mailbag, I accidentally trashed my bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Accidentally just threw this TV out the window of this hotel. Okay, so we did get a uh, we did get a couple of interesting comments on the uh, Bear Friend Tea Party blog over at FlowersOfDisgust.com. On episode twenty three, generally confused about this whole turning into a gun thing, we got a comment from Occult Mummy who wrote, I'm at the grocery store. (laughs) We have the best fan base in the world. If you're a mummy, is it necessary to specify that you're a cult? I think that would be understood. It should be, I should point out, a cult mummy is this listener's handle. (laughs) He or she is not necessarily... An occult mummy. Is that what you're exactly, saying? exactly. Could be an ordinary mummy, or <laughs> or just or, an occult weirdo. Okay, but I think what I'm saying is mummies are by definition a cult. Like, so an ordinary mummy is a cult. A, a non-occult mummy would be highly unusual, if not unheard of. <laughs> Your mama's so occult. Anyway. Um, <laughs> How occult is she? In, in, interestingly enough, occult mummy, occult mummy has become a very regular commenter. In a comment to episode twenty, the Jefferson Abacus, 
which re- was released a few weeks after episode 23, I believe. <laughs> a, cult, a cult mummy shares, I take extreme offense at the term showbiz. <laughs> that's showbiz! That's showbiz! Good night! And that's all we have time for today. <laughs> all right. Thank you. I have, keep um, those, keep I have those messages coming. Uh, I have a correction. On episode 21, Gresham's Law of Cookies, I Mm -hmm. attempted to apply Gresham's Law to the perverse incentives at play in holiday cookie exchanges. We got a lot of letters about that. A lot of people wrote in to say that, strictly speaking, Gresham's Law should really only apply to coin currency. Um, it's, It's basically a situation where you have two different coin currencies, one of them bad, that is, the nominal value far exceeds the commodity value. The other one, good, where the nominal value and the commodity value are basically in line. And in that situation, if both are legal tender, people will naturally stockpile the good currency and spend the bad currency, and the good currency will go out of circulation. Uh, hence the saying, bad money drives out good. And a lot of people objected that that doesn't really parallel the situation of cookie exchanges at all. <laughs> I thought it was actually very insightful, because we were talking about Isn't like... Isn't it more like the tragedy of the commons? I, I'm glad I mean, you brought that up. I economic I'm glad you brought that metaphors up. Metaphors here. I felt that the these listeners were just internet nitpickers at first, but, you know, when I got to thinking about it, I think they're right. I think they've got a point. The cookies in a cookie exchange aren't, like, freely circulating. They're not legal tender. I think, John, uh, I think you're absolutely right. You're on the right track. I would say it's most like the prisoner's dilemma. It's a prisoner's <laughs> dilemma of cookies. How is it a dilemma, though? I mean, like, are there two different, like, diametrically opposed options? No, it, it, it's it, more of a spectrum, sense, isn't there? Well, you know, prisoner's dilemmas are often in real life are become kind of a spectrum. Um, mm. I, it's just it's like the, the sense that, uh, you know, each individual ask, acting in his or her own rational self-interest uh, naturally produce a situation that's bad for everybody. It's the prisoner's quagmire. I mean, it's the prisoner's cookie dilemma. I mean, I think that the key, the key thing that some of our listeners may have been missing is that you, you called this a Gresham's Law of Cookies. <laughs> you were not claiming this was a, That's a good point. classical example of Gresham's law. <laughs> you know, this was we were not talking about like in cookie form. currency shortages in like 1700s Britain or something. Yeah. 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 I mean that Maybe that wouldn't have make applied. It, uh, we should just make it Gresham's law like John Gresham. You know, the only time you could really apply Gresham's Law would be if you were exchanging those chocolate coins. Gelt? Yeah. That would be... That um, that makes sense. That would make sense. Danny, are you building shelves right now? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Are you you feeling alienated? No, no, I'm enjoying this. You know, as long as we're doing addenda to that episode... (laughs) I have, uh, this is really more of a, I don't know if a dind is the right word, but I would advise all of you, under no circumstances, should you do a Google search for Thundercats porn. (laughs) (laughs) 
Now this is something that struck Hello. me on upon listening back to the uh, the classic hip hop albums, <laughs> the Chronic Dr. Dre 1992 uh, segment, classic, classic of, of Bear Friend Tea Party 20, the Jefferson Abacus. After we had finished discussing the Chronic, I meant to, but uh, I meant to do this, but I was probably I think I was too busy talking about Willie Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted. I wanted to at least peripherally. Is that, a, is that the right word? Peripherally. Take take that. I wanted to at least touch on the Chronic mm. 2001. Oh yeah. Because I mean, I've never heard it. I didn't know it existed. Is that, I know is that Stanley Kubrick's edit. <laughs> <laughs> I know that it exists, and I know that there was sort of. Like controversial when it came out, not controversial the way the original Chronic was, and that it was misogynistic and like exploitive and all that stuff. That it was like shitting on the Chronic's legacy, like shitting on the legacy of the original Chronic. I think it like was kind of it was kind of like the Star Wars prequels. Yeah, of mm. that's the impression um, that I got. The Chronic, I I believe. No, I remember when I was uh, like year, years ago, probably around the time that that. What when was that? Two thousand and eight that came uh, out. It was or something. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Around the time that came out, like I was talking with this guy I was working with. We were talking about the fact that there was an album called The Chronic, and he was like, "Yeah, I think that's pretty good. I'm going to download that." And then he downloaded it, and we were listening to it, and we were both like, "This is terrible. This is <laughs> awful." And then like, and then he looked at like he looked at his iTunes, and he was like. Oh no! I accidentally downloaded the Chronic 2001! Succulent mouth watering beehive. All natural sweetness. Chock full of crunchy. Segment 1 Serious Discussion Dark Leviathan by Henry Farrell. Okay, this is. That is not a serious noise, John. Uh, this is my segment. I assume you guys all read this article. I I, I actually did read it. I, I read awesome. it. Awesome. I did not read it, but <laughs> <laughs> I like where you're going with this. <laughs> this is going to be good. Glad about a half an about a half an hour ago, Allie read it. My wife. <laughs> Can we get her on the call? No, she read it and then summed it up for me. <laughs> Very good, then. While I was unpacking this shelf. <laughs> okay, so the subject of this article was Ross oh, yeah, Chris, Ulbricht. Why don't, you, and... why don't you launch into this article? Why don't you launch into the topic? Can you speak, can you speak to that? I... That's an excellent idea, Danny. Thank you. The subject of this article was... Uh, Ross Ulbricht and Silk Road, which, if listeners don't know, was sort of a, a dark internet website, a place that people selling whatever, stolen credit card numbers, drugs, slaves, like, you know, or, or anything, um, could connect buyers and sellers, and they used bitcoins to pay for stuff, and it was, a, you know, it was about as anonymous as these things get. And uh, the feds were after Silk Road in a big way. For a long time, people uh, only knew that its creator as, you know, by his um, nom de guerre, which was the Dread Pirate Roberts, 
Uh, he was arrested in October thir October 2013. He turned out to be uh, a guy named Ross Ulbricht, who I think was originally from Texas, and he was arrested at like a public library in San Francisco. Um, this article by Henry Farrell and Eon Magazine, I really enjoyed this because I thought it, it, painted, it painted a real interesting picture of Ross Ulbricht as kind of a naive, innocent abroad, like a, a techno-libertarian who was out to, well, as he put it in his words, uh, uh, use economic theory as a means to abolish the use of coercion and aggression amongst mankind and build an economic simulation that would let people see what it was like to live in a world without the systemic use of force. And that quote was from Ross Ulbricht's LinkedIn profile, which kind of suggests how weird and naive the guy was. Hey, Danny. Well, just the fact that he had a LinkedIn profile. Yeah, Jesus. How naive can you be? Naivete. I know, right? I, I, I just want to say I was really confused at first because I, I had never heard of the Silk Road before, and I thought really? he was talking about the actual, like the actual historical Silk Road. <laughs> <laughs> It took me a few paragraphs to figure out that it was a totally different thing. Yeah, they finally arrested the guy who created the Silk Road <laughs> fifteen hundred years ago. He was a wait. Was he mummified by that time? He was an occult mummy. He, he was a. I thought he was a regular mummy. Um, <laughs> Chris, uh, if you could tell us, because I, I I did not read any background on this at all. Uh -huh. When did the Silk Road get set up? Like uh, you know, I started hearing about it. I started hearing about it, you know, somewhere around the 2010s. I honestly don't have a, I don't have an exact date on that, but it was after the whole Bitcoin thing exploded. So it's all fairly recent, I, right? I, I like, got to be the last five years or okay, so. Because you're, you're talking to a guy who heard of Bitcoin for the first time like a year ago. Basically, the the rise of Bitcoin and the uh, rise of the Silk Road kind of coincided. There was an article on Gawker in 2011 talking about the Silk Road and that was also I think when people actually started paying attention to Bitcoin as well and that's when like it shot up to like a thousand dollars per Bitcoin or something uh, that sounds so I right. only heard about Bitcoin when I read an article about it in The Economist a month ago <laughs> <laughs> well before that and and I still don't understand what it is before that were you just okay. using dog coin <laughs> So um, no, that's, I, I, I spent a, a good thing. twenty minutes googling Bitcoin and like reading various articles, like explaining what it is, and like none of them even did that in the slightest. Like well, I still don't get it. I don't get it either. It sounds like something you would get like at Chuck E. Cheese, right? <laughs> right. Like those tokens. It depends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, except you use it's, them to buy drugs. I mean, yeah, I, it it is similar to the tokens in that the use of those tokens at Chuck E. Cheese is basically anonymous. Like, they don't know who's putting tokens, which tokens in which machine, and getting how many tickets oh, from it. It's all ca There's no paper trail. There's yeah. no paper trail at Chuck E. Cheese. I mean, in practice, um, in practice, I don't think that that is... Just a sauce trail. I think, in practice, that's not strictly true so much, but I think it is true that the amount of work you'd have to do to kind of go into the blockchain and kind of like the detective work you'd have to do is not really worth it if you're talking about people buying like small amounts of drugs for personal use which is why that so you're not you're not talking about Chuck E. Cheese anymore you're talking about Bitcoin 
Well, can't you, like, you can't actually, like, make any Bitcoins at all unless you, like, chain your computer together with, like, a bunch of other people. Right? Nowadays. Well, yeah. the, way that, yeah. the way that Bitcoin is set up is so that when, like, at, on the ground floor, when it started out, I think it was fairly easy to generate Bitcoins, but they weren't worth anything. And as more mm-hmm. people got into the game, yeah, ne- at this it's point... It's become really difficult now. You have to solve these big equations. It's called mining bitcoins, I believe. Right, right. Well, and at this um, point, I think that, like, the the <clears throat> investment in, like, computers and just the electricity it would take to run them, like, for most people, would cost more than the amount of bitcoins they would actually be able to mine. Though mining yeah. dog coin... Uh, I believe is a little uh, there's a little better uh, ROI on that currently. Yeah, Jeremy, the fact did you make that up, dog coin? No, no, that's real. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to be funny. Like I don't is that tell me that's about a that. real. It's there's a whole bunch of like knockoff bitcoins, and one of the more successful ones is actually called dog coin. But how do you get like if you just how come how. What makes it worth something? How do you? Who decides that? Well, I mean, what makes? How would sure, it I think worth it's anything. the same. Th- yeah, exactly. It's it's like it's just the fact that people think it's worth something. Yeah. Well, it well, well, it well, is. well, but original. I mean, like money, money was originally like like a proxy for something. Well, yeah, like, something like original money with like, like coins were gold or some shit. Yeah, I, I thought yeah, like I livestock, some, li- like was the original <laughs> dog coin. Yeah, it's coming back to animals. <laughs> <laughs> but any, I mean, that currency has taken any number of forms. You know, people will use like whatever for currency, whether it's like backed up by something or or not. Not all currency is state sponsored. It's something that also can kind of develop organically. Which which I brings us slightly back to the topic at hand. Um, Pharrell in the article uh, uh, traces this stuff back like to the 1990s and the tech boom there and you have this group of what he calls tech obsessed libertarians uh, who wanted to put together like modern cryptography and the internet um, and use that to create like a system that would would you know basically help get around governments yeah. and, and, and government ty- tyranny and the end result of all that is yeah bitcoin which is this sort of cryptographic electronic um, currency and stuff like the Silk Road um, which there are a lot of positive things about that arguably they're good for dissidents in authoritarian countries um, you know good for people who are doing things that you might approve of but the government does not uh, but also good for violent criminal gangs and I think the thing I really liked about the article was the tension that he brings up between these sort of libertarian utopia uh, that that people like Ulbricht kind of had in mind and what actually happened when you start putting together this system outside of a government mandate, which is, you know, you start have gangsterism and, and, and people well, uh, betraying each other. You mean when you and, apply, uh, apply libertarianism to reality? Yeah. I mean... Uh, as, as Pharrell argues, um, Ulbricht became the very thing he was trying to escape. He ultimately became kind of like a criminal gangster enforcing his rule. Which ultimately, I think, is a point he failed to make very convincingly. Mm, interesting. No, no. Yeah. I, I thought... I mean, you know, I think it was probably 
pretty well made because that was that was Ali's takeaway. No, I too. mean I think that was the point. <laughs> I think that was the point he was making. I don't think that he backed it up very well. In my opinion, he's using mm-hmm. this kind of utopian libertarian libertarianism that Ulbrich is expressing, and he's kind of setting that up as his whole straw man that he's tearing down over the course of the article. Yeah. Um, so he ends up kind of mostly just kind of making fun of this, like, admittedly kind of naive kid. In my opinion, he's way too quick to dismiss this whole system Um which I think is pretty impressive and surprisingly functional and to an extent does what this guy even said in his crazy utopian rhetoric. I mean, if you really look at it, like, even in this guy's... But does it still do that? I thought it collapsed. Well, there's... I mean... There there are other um, other similar sites. Yeah, the Silk Road no longer exists. The The big darknet markets now, the big two main ones are Evolution and Agora. Um... How do you get there? You you type in agora.com? I mean, like, I don't understand. You got to get onto the like, Tor network. If you're, has... I mean, I'm, like, he just he just kind of blithely states, like, oh, this is the deep internet and it's off the grid. And There's it's a like, secret internet. If you're oh. in... Jimmy Simpson and House of Cards bullshit. <laughs> like, I don't understand, like, like, he doesn't actually say what it is. They're just, you know? I mean, so, I like, a. I mean, yeah, no, I agree with you, a John. A website I don't, I don't... that is on the. The quote it's all about Jimmy Simpson. Okay. That's that's what I'm saying. Do you do you want to know or do <laughs> David's? You, do you not want to know? Do you want to know? Okay, yes. So no, I definitely want to know. I mean, it's just the websites themselves are just like regular websites, but you can only access them if you are using this protocol that is called Tor and that obscures your identity. This is not like a regular website. I mean, I mean it's I like mean, a regular <laughs> website once you get there, it, in the sense that, like, you put, you put like a a URL in, except it ends with onion, and if you're using a, the Tor browser, what? then it loads just like any regular website, except it's fucking slow as shit, and a lot of times it doesn't work. But um, so it's like going back to like 1996. Or something. In a, yeah, ex- wait. You, so you have to use wait. You have to use the right browser. You can, like, you can like Netscape. You can. Eat. I don't understand this onion shit. Is that a joke? No, it's. Or is that just an example? Is it an abstract example? The, no. The, the top level domain on the Tor network is dot onion. Um, Tor stands for the onion router and. I believe that onion is intended as a metaphor referring to the fact that when you connect from one point to another point on the Tor network, it's like kind of you're you're bouncing around through various different servers that are obscuring your identity and they compare that to the the layers of an onion. The layers of an onion. Thank you. What happens when you get to the, the center? Well, then there's nothing there. <laughs> so um but so, you just keep um, peeling and all it is just stories now, i i'm <laughs> i'm interested to get your take on this jeremy because i wondered how convincing you would find pharrell's argument because i mean i found it convincing but i was kind of predisposed to feel that way because I don't have a lot of sympathy for libertarianism yeah. deep down. I mean, not really. Look, if and I and so you know, I might not be seeing through like 
you know, he's he's saying he's telling me what I want to hear, so I may be I mean, accepting it a little too easily. I I would say too like uh, here's here's what I'd say like to an extent I think the argument that he ends up making is utopian libertarianism is utopian, and I mean like yeah, <laughs> no shit, and I think he kind of ties in the whole like Silk Road dark net bitcoin stuff it just ties it all up in that you in utopian libertarianism and then just kind of discards it as something that has no value just because this one dude was fairly naive like like like, like a lot of what he said and even is quoted as saying in this article is completely true like he says if people don't like the uh, silk road or if they don't like the rules in the silk road that's fine cuz there's a there could be a marketplace <laughs> of other markets and they can choose to associate with those and that is to completely happen like the silk road collapsed and people moved to other markets that did not collapse yeah i mean well that's certainly true and there's like also he even says in the article there's it's he says and this is a direct quote it is unclear if anyone was in fact killed by anyone else (laughs) and that's comforting and yet the whole premise of his argument is that that Ulbricht descended into the, you know, violent actions of the state that he was so opposed to, even though he admits himself, there's not really any evidence that that actually happened. Like, well, maybe, there, maybe no, one. Well, maybe. I wouldn't go too far. There's very good ac- evidence that he tried to pay a dude to kill another dude. It's just, it's just that it's, it's, well, it's just that it's not clear whether or not he was being scammed. Yeah. So or maybe I mean, right, like, like fact, it seemed, it seemed even, like he was like like it might have been the same person, like, like the assassin. Yeah. And the, he cer- the, he certainly did yeah. pay several hundred thousand dollars to a guy to kill another guy. It's just that maybe he was being scammed. Right, but they may have been the same guy, right? There was actually like two separate incidents, I think, where he. What if all three thing? of them were the, were Ulbricht? <laughs> but I mean, let's say, let's say he even like, did. So was he like was he brought up on charges for like attempted murder? I believe or, he or was. Uh, I think like racketeering and like some kind of some like mafia type shit yeah i mean they had all kinds of stuff they could throw at him okay even if he did like take out uh a couple of contracts and killed like three dudes now compare that to like your standard drug kingpin Mm. like you're killing a lot more than three dudes well i don't know if i'm gonna go with that comparison because He's, it's a smaller well, he's, operation. He's, he's just mean, the, 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 the the issue is that it could it would oh eventually it was, it was, it was a big operation, but he was just the middleman. Like well, compared to the like actual fucking like like real he was, life. Mafia. He, it, I, I'd say, but he was involved in the. Real I'd life say mafia, in this I case, he, I'd say was it yeah a new, he hired, new he mafia hired the like, actual mafia to kill a guy. Well, he tried. He, like the 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 like in real life. I think he was building. Yeah, he was building ties. Conventional run of the mill Hell's Angels. <laughs> analog. Sometimes you need to take some guy out. I mean, that <laughs> happens even in a libertarian utopia. That's well, <laughs> especially in a libertarian utopia. I, here, here's okay. So first, I don't know if I quite buy that comparison, just because he was he had a big operation, but he was essentially kind of a middleman. And so the mm, people who enough. were buying and selling from him, you know, there there could easily have been a lot more violence going on there. But but I, I basically I think that's true, kind of true. a side I, issue. I I agree. I mean, in that, but I mean, that's okay. I don't want to get in a big fight on, about that because I, I agree, I'm agree. I'm happy to let that point go 
because I think you're you're I think you're you're right. He's he's definitely superior to your standard drug cartel. Like I'm not gonna fight with you about Nobody's that. Nobody's fighting. May, maybe I was reading this in to Pharrell's article. Like and and tell me if I was. But one of the things I liked about it was he kind of got to the point of, hey, what does it actually take to put a market together? Because yeah. I think sometimes. And and maybe this is a straw man, but I think sometimes people on the libertarian side are like, all you need is just get rid of the fucking government and we'll have this really great market that'll solve all our problems. But actually he gets into it, you know, to make a functioning market, you need trust and you need these relationships and you need people to know that they're not going to be scammed all the time. And what it kind of comes down to is you need a governing authority. You need force. You need somebody who, you need, as you say, you need to take out a guy from time to time. I mean, I think, yeah, I think it's a straw man, though. I don't think that there's a lot of, I mean, I'm sure you can find some nutjob libertarians who think there should be literally no government. But most libertarians would like to have some manner of government enforcing contracts and like having police and stuff. Maybe it's a straw man. You might, you might, maybe you're right about that. Well, it's also not a, not a strictly a fair example because we're looking at a black market existing under what they would see as kind of a repressive state power, right? That's uh, yeah. You know I what mean, saying? well, it's a black market for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so, so you're saying, uh, well, by definition, if you're in that situation, there's well, you've got the government breathing down your back and you're underground, and so there's going to be were, it's going to be more violent than otherwise. If I were a libertarian, which I'm not, I might say, you know, <laughs> the violence here is really because of the repressive authority that is forcing us into this black market in the first place. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's... Well, that just seems like a cop-out, doesn't it? I, I, I think there's something to that argument. Um, I mean, certainly, if we if we weren't criminalizing some a lot of drugs the way we are yeah the drug trade would yeah. be a lot a lot less bloody there's a lot to be said for that and less profitable no 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 i knew a lot of people that were on silk road they, um but everybody called them stupid my only experience with silk road is um uh some of my buddies on the pantera chat board <laughs> okay okay we're we're getting really into silk road but everybody else on the board like the popular people were making fun of them and saying they were going to get scammed and then you know and and killed and thrown in jail yeah. no, 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 no. no no this is certainly no
Bear, friend, y party. So, uh, we're talking about the article, The AI Revolution, The Road to Superintelligence, by Tim Urban, on the blog, Wait But Why. Danny, do you want to start us off? I don't remember. I read that article a, a couple weeks ago. I think it's really strong. It's a good blog. Okay, so Danny, you don't want to do your segment. <laughs> I really, I really, I really want to get to the Rodney. I want to get to the Rodney Dangerfield shit. John, what's your Rodney Dangerfield what? line? Oh, okay. We moved right. on. I don't know if we have. Um, are we not doing the super intelligence segment? I did. I, we just did my segment. I thought it was a great segment. No, it is a great segment. I thought it was a, a great, great article. Idea. And all right, that enti- next time Danny asks me to read an article, I'm not reading it though. No, it's a. I think it's an excellent segment. All right, let's I, talk I, about I, it. Let's let's, t- let's do it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Why don't you guys talk? Don't you talk about it without me? Okay, Danny. <laughs> why don't you just leave if you're going to be a dick, Danny? <laughs> no, no, no. He's got more CDs to put away. <laughs> this article from Wait But Why is a uh, a sort of juvenile restating of the kind of Kurzweil singularity argument. It's a load of horse shit, um, as any educated person knows. And, I mean, I don't know. Like, okay, let, okay wait, Jeremy, moron. what's juvenile about? He just likes to say the word juvenile. It's, Danny, it's don't, don't be juvenile. <laughs> it's, it, you get the impression from reading this article that he just completely, he, like, read one of Kurzweil's books and, like, completely bought the whole argument and is kind of trying to restate it. And he's very enthusiastic about it. The only problem is, like, he doesn't really address any of the problems with it in a meaningful way. Um, okay. Because he's not really dissecting that. He's, like, talking about the, like, 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 like uh, natural fear. And he's sort of processing that in a very, in a very kind of, like, naked way. He's, a, he's, a, he's the way he... Yeah, he's like, a very optimistic everything. writer. I mean, if you, read, if you read the rest of the blog, it's loaded with, like, just this, like, really uplifting humanistic philosophy jeremy has laid some some heavy accusations and jeremy if he were just restating some ray kurzweil shit i think i would probably see eye to eye on you because i don't have a lot of patience for kurzweil is 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 a smart guy who has done some impressive things but he makes a lot of crazy statements about the future and I think yeah. if we go back, he's been right about a few things that are really impressive. No, he's but been he's right. He's been, been right more often than he's, he's also been wrong. Been yeah. wrong about a lot of stuff. He's been wrong. The minority of the things he says are wrong. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the fu- the biggest problem with all of these these dudes is that they take Moore's law and mm-hmm. they apply that to all of human progress. On the one hand, and then they also maybe they make the assumption that Moore's law is an actual law that we can assume will continue f- forever. Agreed. Even if that is true, they all there's you're still making the fairly dubious assumption that merely through like brute force we can create uh, super intelligence, even though we but have no might... idea how to no, do that. No, but Jeremy, to be fair, he I I feel like. He, now, I did read the article, like, a month and a half ago, <laughs> but he definitely addresses that point. Like, he, yeah. he, he makes the caveat, like, 
yes, these people are are sort of like simplifying things and suggesting that yeah, brute force will get us from you know like a a, a moderate concept of intelligence to super intelligence. Yeah, I but mean, it's like the re- I don't know. I it's I, a cautious I think optimism. I think if we were just talking about Kurzweil, I'd kind of agree with you, Jeremy. The yeah. the uh, in the article he also brings up Nick Bostrom, and I have to say, you know, Bostrom is a pretty serious guy. Um, he he's he's done a lot of good work, and he's not uh you know a crazy wild eyed futurist kind of a character. Um, uh, and you know he ma- he makes the uh, a, a pretty serious argument that crazy wild eyed scientist. There's a lot. There's a lot of uncertainty about you know whether uh computing power is going to keep increasing the way it has under Moore's law whether we can get okay there's all this uncertainty but you've still got a reasonable chance at producing um human level AI within a few decades you know based on on progress that's been made so far and and how the problems that remain look and once you get past human human level AI it's really hard to say what happens, like how fast things move. Did you Did you guys read the second part of the article? Yeah, I the, skimmed the it. second part okay. was where the part I enjoyed. Okay, I th- yeah, the, first, the second the first part, part is where I... he gets into like analyzing. He puts everything on a spectrum of like pessimism versus optimism. And oh, then, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. So he, like he's really he's really just breaking down like what all the different opinions are by like, all the different people in the field. Like, he's not really so much advancing an argument of his own. I feel like he was... I mean, the whole first article, which was the very... the more wordy one, is, like, almost all devoted to just gung-ho, drinking-the-Kool-Aid kind of bullshit, in my opinion. (laughs) And, like, within which I think he maybe, like, devotes one sentence... I, I wrote this down. He says, Oh, this is the icky part. The truth is, no one really knows how to make it smart. That's a direct quote. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, we have no idea how to do this. Like, and it's what a person I really like on this is, is Jaron Lanier or whatever. Mm-hmm. He had a really interesting edge talk call, called uh, The Myth of AI. Um, but he refers to this kind of thinking as premature mystery reduction, where you're kind of just taking this, like, massive, massive hole in our knowledge and just saying, like, oh, well, we'll figure that out. You know, we really just need to cram more transistors onto a microprocessor at a given price point, and then boom. That's not we'll figure it out. It's what happens if we do figure it out. And isn't that kind of interesting to think about and maybe scary? No, well, yeah. Okay, to, to be fair, I think Jeremy makes a really excellent point in 1965. Oh. Like, if we were back in 1965 and we were talking about the crazy claims of artificial intelligence people back then. Yeah, you're absolutely right, because that's how they talked. The the serious people who are in AI don't talk that way anymore. They don't say, oh, we just need a whole lot more computing power and suddenly the computer is going to become intelligent. No, that's true. That's absolutely true, because the serious people in AI these days are not the people that are making these ridiculous arguments about the singularity. Well, singularity I'm not going to get into, but... Uh, are serious people in AI and computing, are some of them concerned about the possible effects of artificial intelligence and superintelligence? Yes, some of them are. And I can't remember their names right now, but I could they're probably not, look them up. They're not in AI. They're people like like 
Stephen Hawking or whatever, who has nothing to do with AI. You know, they're like people in other fields who. No, but they're no, like, there are people in um, in computing generally. I don't know if you. Well, no, that's that's just a fact. If you look at if you look at uh, <laughs> no, 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 this, it's just, it, 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 it seriously I mean, is a fact. If, if you look, no, 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 who among us is not in computing generally these days, you know? No, no. If I mean, I'm in computing generally. Well, and, I mean, you have a lot of well-informed opinions about... You're not building computers. I built a computer once. That was you, mead. You and Matt Noonan made mead. No, no, I've also, I've also <laughs> made mead. Oh, are you thinking of that theremin? Did you, in fact, just build an abacus? No, but, Jeremy... If you look at the people who are involved in, like, uh, Bostrom's group at Oxford University or, like, even the Machine Intelligence Research Institute, they're, they're not crazies. They're, they're talking about stuff that is maybe unlikely hmm. or at least uncertain. But you have to say, well, if this is a real possibility, even if we're talking about, like, a 1% or 2% chance, if the possible results of that are catastrophic or crazy or enormous, then it's something you've got yeah. to Yeah, it sounds logically equivalent to a Pascal's wager. And I wager think sometimes the, the, you know, the horse shit that Kurzweil puts out poisons that well. <laughs> and it's like, you know, we look at this thing and we say, well, this guy's obviously kind of a flim-flam character. And so we say, well, and therefore artificial intelligence is just nonsense. Is that really true about Kurzweil, that he's, like, flim-flam, like, sh- full of shit? I, I think he's, like, half full of shit, half not. And it's sort I of mean, hard to tell, tell what's what. what. I sort I, of I, discovered him in, like, the past ye- couple years, and, I've like, everything I've seen him say is, like, completely mind-bogglingly great. He's re- I mean, he's a really smart dude, and he made some great synthesizers. I have I have a Kurzweil synthesizer actually, but uh, did he, wait, is that, is he that really the same make, guy? Did he? Make yes, the same. Yeah, the same fucking joke? dude. Yeah, no, that's the um, same guy. That's the oh, same no guy. Way. It's the same awesome. fucking dude. He yeah. also yeah, but he's like now he's really he's also really into like mega dosing on on vitamins as a way of like extending your life in order that you might you'll live long enough to get to the singularity and stuff. And he's I just think he's blinded by his own optimism. Yeah. Um, but I think well, it's also, it's important to remember he's like a dude who's like rich and able to do this shit because he made a lot of money, I guess, making synthesizers, not yeah. by like creating artificial intelligence. Well, I think he sells a lot of books too. This this Jaron Lanier guy that I, that I was referencing, you know, he was, I think he was involved in like making the Roomba and stuff. And he's actually like <laughs> worked on actual <laughs> systems where you're trying to like, you know, create some like autonomous like thing that has some awareness of what's going on around it, and like I think is a little more attuned to like the difficulties with that. Well, I, I think people like Kurzweil do understate the difficulties, uh, you know, sometimes super dramatically. But you know, the speed at which some of the things that we used to think were really difficult are starting to be worked out I, I i i kind of wonder about that i mean it wasn't that long ago and i think i could probably find a quote somewhere from steven pinker one of his early books saying like you know 
we're just not anywhere near an artificial lang artificial intelligence like uh, 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 that you talk to the computer and the computer understands what you're saying. Yeah. And obviously the computer doesn't understand understand, but you know, I mean, this, a lot of these problems that seemed like they were AI was never going to get around. Like we had there was that '60s boom and it was super optimistic, and then people realized like oh, it's actually really difficult to teach a computer to do some simple-ass tasks that any idiot five-year-old can do. But, you know, the, the, the computers are starting to get those. And so... Like, the successes we've had lately in terms of machine translation has much more to do with, with big data than anything, where it's like, you know, the way they're doing that is, hmm. is, is not yeah. by, like, creating something that understands in any sense of the word, but it's more something that just, like, is able to look at so much fucking shit that it can kind of give you the gist. Yeah. Like, because it's... Lo but it's... That's all fed yeah, off it's of not actual... Yeah. It's all, like, feeding off of these real people... Isn't that just like a very advanced mechanical Turk in some sense, you know? Yeah, well, and just, machine well, translation is for shit anyway yeah, still. Yeah, um, Though it, it may improve. But Jeremy, Jeremy, how do you know that, that the human brain is any different from that? Like, how can you... Well, I mean, in, in this case, we you certainly know that the human brain is not uh, amassing this huge amount of data from other people translating okay, stuff that, online that, that and using that yes, to translate. Yeah, like, that, that's true. I mean, that's that's not something we do. No, well, well, that's true, but I mean, but, like, you can't, like, I don't know, like, I think it's it's tenuous at best to make the the argument that, that human consciousness is, like, I don't know, some, somehow, like... Qualitatively different Qualitatively from, different from, uh, from that. Even though, I mean, it, yes, it feels that way to mm, you and me, but... Mm. I think we're getting into a separate issue, which is about like uh, subjective consciousness, and and that that I don't know really applies one way or other to the the AI thing in this article. It's, it's not irrelevant, but <clears throat> like for the purposes of this discussion, I don't think it matters if the AIs we're talking about are or are not subjectively conscious. If they experience qualia or yeah. emotions or whatever, it's just or, or if they're zombies functionally as long as they're indistinguishable it doesn't matter like if they can perform task x yeah. then they can perform it and it doesn't really matter if if you know for this purpose if they're conscious or not or if they're yeah. intelligent or intelligent in quotes or whatever i guess the point to make in that sense is just we should remember you know we should remember how big a gap there is between like actual like meaningful understanding of a language yep. and like but here let me let's say there's a small but real chance that we will develop super intelligence artificial super intelligence in the next century if that's the case then it's it would be totally momentous and it might be really fantastic and it might be really terrible yeah and the things we do now could push it one way or the other from fantastic to terrible or the other way around. And so we should think seriously about the possibilities and about uh, changes we might want to make now in 
how we develop these things and, and, and the sociology around the development of AI because it could be that you make a relatively small change now in the way we deal with this and that has a huge effect in the future for good mm. or ill. And mm. so like, you know, don't get caught up on how likely is it. Just say, is it, you know, is, it, is, is this something that you'd call like a 1% chance? Because hmm. if hmm. it's a 1% chance, you should take that shit seriously. L you don't have to say super intelligence if you want, but let's say we're getting towards uh, an artificial, like an autonomous artificial entity that's pretty intelligent. That's good, you know, it's fast and it can think strategically, which, you know, I mean, computers can beat us at chess now. Like there's some strategy. I, and I know they beat us at chess by just grinding out the equations and blah, blah, blah. But. Let's say we've got something that's a pretty good strategic thinker and it's fast and maybe, you know, it's got some kind of, um, uh, let's get crazy and say some kind of emotional intelligence in the sense of dealing with people. Um, if you start to get to that level, you want to think very carefully about what kind of goals you give that system because once it's, once it's out, it could be out for good. And once it's out of your control, that's it. Yeah, that's where you get into, like, As Isaac Asimov and, and shit, right? I was afraid someone would bring up Isaac Asimov. But, okay, but yeah. well, let's not but, do but, that. I mean, but yeah, you do. You what do. does Isaac Asimov have to you do? You know what? what? No one here is doing that. You just need a repressive <laughs> we'll state apparatus to create rules for robots. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, maybe you Didn't do. Didn't he just write, like, did he write science fiction, right? Yes, he did. The, th he, the three laws of, of robotics. robotics. Yeah. yeah. Right, but that's not real. Good point. No, well, neither it's... is anything that Kurzweil says. Burn! I haven't read it, but it, uh, is, it, is it good? Well, I haven't actually read any Isaac no, Asimov. I no, don't, I don't think anyone's read it. It's, uh, it's real it's as, not far advisable. As, as far as... I, I think I it's kind of like... Concept. It's a real concept. I, I read like, some as a very early teen, and I cannot advise it. But but, no, but Jeremy, you see what I'm saying? Like there, I think there yeah. are some legitimate yeah. concerns that people like Bostrom raise, and it's, it's yeah, worth. Who is this Bostrom person? He's on a. He, he's uh, if he was he's interviewed one of those. In the, uh, you know those two the Muppets, the old Muppets that look, sit in the. We're <laughs> Jeremy, I really want to know. Sit in the thing, and they're like, they're like, ah. I'm, why do we always come here? <laughs> I guess we'll never know. It's Is like it... a kind of torture to have to watch the show. You have to be in this podcast? Yeah, Danny, if you want to know, you may have to actually listen to the podcast. No, I just want to know what who he is. I so know, but I... I, I in... Conversate. Yeah, he's stated it multiple times. Boom! Yeah, wearing your headphones. <laughs> um, no, he... You guys all seem to know who Bots Botstein because we were listening to listen <laughs> No, because you you re all right. So let's just no. Uh, I, let's, I, let's I round actually, this you know out. what? You know what? You know what? You, you guys are assholes. Um, but that aside, <laughs> true. Bolstrom. But. I actually, you know what, my brother. I don't know who Bolstrom is either, but I think he was mentioned in the. Yeah, Tim it sounds Urban familiar, art. but that's why I just want a refresher. Yeah, like he, just like I so, want an invitation. But I'm judging. I'm judging based on the the conversation that I've been listening to. I think Bolstrom is the skeptic in the AI singularity 
conceptualization, right? Is is that correct? He's he's a little more he's a little more skeptical about the possibility, but he's much more pessimistic about the possible outcomes. He sounds or like a pretty he sounds like a pretty optimistic skeptic. But but okay, that's but that's his opinion on this matter. But is he like an author? Is he an athlete? Is he a politician? <laughs> like, who the fuck is he? He is an Oxford University philosophy professor. Okay. So he knows a lot about computers then. Yeah, he, yeah. he his assistant has one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't know how to use it. No, he's pretty plugged in. Ooh. He has he I don't know. I'm on his website. Who is it on GeoCities? It's, it's a Angel Fire. Angel. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Um, Good stuff. Yeah, he seems pretty. He seems like a thoughtful dude. So what would, what would you say? I mean, I would say that as far as all this stuff goes, I'm a pessimistic pessimist, and I'm optimistic about that. In that, I I think this fucking shit is is really far off. I think it will destroy humanity. <laughs> and I'm and I'm in favor of that. <laughs> so you don't think that the, like the four of us are going to have you know our consciousness is uh, transferred into robot bodies? I think I think I don't think that's like even possible. I think that'll that will like come up against like fundamental laws of physics that where like you, it's like literally not possible. It's all just atoms and shit. Can't you just jumble up atoms it's to just, make whatever? Just a bunch of rocks. <laughs> well, well, copy copies of our of our consciousness. Which uh, is the same thing. It's not the same thing. Why isn't it? I is mean, it, wa- is, is, the, is that water not that water? I, I can't see the water you're what? pointing at. Well, I think to the, to the copy it is, but to, to you it's not. I mean, like, your consciousness would continue and then you would die. Yeah, I mean, this, it's kind <laughs> of a separate issue. Right? Yeah, it's kind of a separate issue. I don't know. That's pretty, pretty interesting issue. I, oh yeah, it's I, like when you go through the transporter. You know, are your like molecules and shit taken apart and like sent across space, or are you? Like, <laughs> Why didn't it, anyone it, tell me my ass was so big? It's an exact <laughs> copy of my books, uh, assembled from. The I, you know, I have the same question. The like, just to... like, did you ever go to one of those car washes where like your car goes through that thing and like you can't see it? And then, like, it's, you know, it's, atoms are disassembled. No, but, like, then a little while later, like, a perfectly clean car comes out. And, like, is that really your car still? I only go to car washes where I can ride in the yeah, car. Is this the, yeah, so yeah. you're talking about the one where you, you get out of the car and you watch through the window. Yeah. But like, yeah, no, you can no, no, like no, no. sometimes you can watch the through the belt. window, but like it's not always you don't always like, have a good view of the car, and, 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 and like, how like, do you know? Like, <laughs> they could is that just like your change. maybe they've you know maybe they just got a, a different car that was already clean. It's a terrible business model. How quickly would they go bankrupt? Well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know what would be? It's unsustainable. You know, you it's know, okay if you're if you're paying them in Bitcoin. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know what would juvenile? What would be a great car wash? It goes down the conveyor belt, and it's disassembled into its constituent atoms, and then no, no, it would be no, so no, clean no, 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 no. 
No disassemble. (laughs) Danny does make a strong case. Danny does make that's a very good point. Now we're getting into the real meaty topic. Sleeping LSD. Marijuana. Heroin. Bear Friend Tea Party. Segment three. Rodney Dangerfield one-liners delivered flatly and without emotion. I could tell that my parents hated me. My bath toys were a toaster and a radio. And I went to the bar to have a few drinks. The bartender asked me, what'll you have? I said, surprise me. He showed me a naked picture of my wife. And that certainly surprised me, let me tell you. My wife thinks twice before she turns me down. Yeah, once in the morning and once at night. I went to the doctor. Because I had swallowed a bottle of sleeping pills, oh, my doctor told me to when have I was a few a kid, I was poor and Christmas, get some rest. No a hooker once told me she had a headache. I told my wife, if you would learn to cook, I would fire the chef. She I'm said, so if you could learn to make love, I could fire I the chauffeur. I went to a massage parlor. It was self-service. My marriage is on the rocks again. Yeah, my wife just broke up with her boyfriend. I was making love to this girl, and she started crying. I said, are you going to hate yourself in the morning? She said, no, I hate myself right now. She was on the phone. My psychiatrist told me I'm crazy. I asked her if she enjoys Cigarette after sex, she said, said, no, one drag is enough. I bought a used car. I found my wife's dress in the back. My wife is a bad cook. If we leave dental floss in the kitchen, the roaches hang themselves. Last night, some guy knocked on the front door. She told me to hide in the closet. One night, I came home. I figured... Let my wife come on. During I'll play sex, it. my wife always wants her to make talk the first to me. Just the other night, she called me. I'm so ugly, I stuck my head out the window and got arrested for mooning. She told me when we have sex, that's the only time I make her laugh. I know I'm not sexy. When I put my underwear on, I can hear the fruit of the loom guys giggling. She was saying sexy things. My wife is such a bad cook. In my During house, sex, after my after the wife meal. always wants, me, she wants to talk to American me. Airlines Just the other night, she airlines. called me from a hotel. My wife likes to talk on the phone American during sex. She called me from Chicago last night. I don't get no respect. Are you kidding? The time I got hurt American on the way to the hospital, the ambulance stopped so gas. My wife only has sex with a bottle Last night, she used me to time My doctor told me to have a few drinks and get some rest. It's tough to stay married. My wife kisses so the dog on the lips, my father yet she won't drink from my glass. Last night, my wife met me at the front door. She was wearing a sexy negligee. The only trouble was, she was coming home. My wife and I were happy for 20 years, and then we met. I'm so ugly. When I was born, the doctor slapped my mother. I tell you, my wife and I, we don't think alike. She donates money to the homeless, and I donate money to the top. My uncle's dying wish was to have me sitting in his lap. He was in the electric chair. I said, are you Louise? She said, are you Rodney? 
I said, Are you Louise? She said, Are you Rodney? I said, Are you Louise? She said, Are you Rodney? I said, Are you Louise? She said, Are you Rodney? My wife's not too smart. I told her our kids were spoiled. She said, All kids smell that way. One year they wanted to make me poster boy for her. She said, Are you Rodney? She said, Are you Rodney? My wife and I were happy for 20 years. So ugly. What a childhood I had. My parents sent me to a child psychiatrist. That kid didn't help me at all. I said, are you Louise? When the old man wanted sex, my mother would show him a picture of me. I said, are you Louise? She said, are you Rodney? When I played in the sandbox, the cat kept covering me up. I'm a bad lover once I caught us peeping Tom booing me. You're listening to Bear Friends Tea Party. Segment four. Serious discussion. Time travel. Solid state model versus mini worlds model. Which is better? So, okay, so from a real world standpoint, we don't really know for certain whether time travel is possible. But there are essentially two two models under which it could theoretically work in a, you know, a meaningful way. So the two different models are the solid state model and the many worlds model. Now in the solid state model, you could think of time as like one kind of continuous spectrum of stuff that happens. Okay? And like everything right. that happens just is. And so if you go back in time and you do something, whatever that thing is that you do, that was always a part of the timeline, right? So you right. can't change anything. Wait, so the original timeline included your going back in time? Well, in solid state model, there's just one timeline. There's no original timeline like, no, because like, the timeline you can't doesn't change. change. So whatever you do, like that is always what was done. If you go back and so in the solid state model, because whatever happened happened. Yeah. If you go back in time and like talk to somebody, they like ignore you and can't hear you. No, no, no. Well, I no. mean, maybe. I mean, the point is that like, if, okay, if they're being an okay. asshole, if you if you go back in time and talk to yourself, then it necessarily follows that. You, your own memory should already involve you talking to your future self. So all of time just is. It's just one thing that doesn't change. Okay? Oh, okay. Well, so that seems like the more realistic thing because it is. if you didn't go back in time, then you wouldn't have that memory, and I don't. Exactly. So. So it's, so <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then you, so the other you, model is the many worlds model. And in that model, when you go back in time, you, you can change things, but what happens is that results in a, a parallel uh, uh, timeline being created. And, and some of this is like based on actual equations of, of quantum physics and other bullshit that none of us could ever understand. The many worlds interpretation the many of worlds quantum interpretation physics. Of quantum physics. Um, so if you go back in time, you can change things, but what happens is that like causes a, a another uh, timeline to uh, to occur. So you can never return to your original timeline, like the alternate nineteen eighty, like alternate nineteen eighty five. 
<laughs> so okay, yeah, exactly. So, but, but the problem with the Back to the Future movies and and really like and really like you... almost all movies that that involve some sort of time travel is that like they can't decide which model they want to use, so they end up like kind of melding the two in a way that like doesn't actually work. Is that is that is that is that why like like after old Biff gives himself the the sports almanac and he travels back to the future he doesn't travel forward to the future of the alternate nineteen eighty yeah that's that's like just one really obvious problem I mean like you don't even have to go into part two to get to that kind of crap like in the first one I don't think there's a sports almanac <laughs> in Back to the Future Part One in the in the first <laughs> one like after like at the end of the movie. When Marty's like back in the present time, and you know he wakes up and he finds that his parents are like awesome people now because of all the stuff that he did. Like, that doesn't really. They should already. Have yeah, been they should awesome already people. have yeah. been awesome people. Like it should. Well, if it's solid state, yeah. I mean, if it's solid state, yeah, like, he changed the past already. Yeah. They somehow don't I, remember. But like, but like, if that was his past, like, why does he still have his memories of the way it was before? It's like it's time travel. Well, you know, I mean, if, if, if we evolve from monkeys, why are they still monkeys? You know? Yeah, that's, that's, that's flawless yeah, that's, logic there. That's, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the only, like, mainstream, like, big Hollywood movie I can think of that really, like, employs a coherent model of time travel is uh, the, uh, the Terry Gilliam movie, Twelve Monkeys. Yeah, mm. thank you. And that, that model is steady state, or solid state, excuse me. John, um, your, your question here is which is better? Uh, solid, yeah. Which is better? Do you did you mean which is better to make a movie about, or which is more likely to be the would be more likely to be the case if time travel were a thing, or which would be more fun? Which which is objectively better? Oh, okay. I'm I'm gonna say solid state is objectively better. Okay. Why do you think that? Okay, in in the many worlds model of quantum physics, there are like an infinite profusion. Is it where we live in the multiverse, mm-hmm, and there mm-hmm. are an infinite profusion of universes, and each one is different in weird ways. And in some of them, giraffes are blue, and in one of oh, them, that would you be know, awesome. Jeremy had an ox for breakfast. <laughs> but but in none of those universes does the many worlds model of quantum physics make sense. At all, because it's just bullshit. Why is it bullshit? Therefore, because it sucks. <laughs> that's that's the, the reason most things are bullshit. Yeah, that's how you can tell them, right? But in some other universe, there's a me who likes multi. It's bullshit. Really, more likely, there's just a you that has a goatee. Oh, that could happen in this universe. <laughs> Yeah, uh, multiple worlds is a cop out. That's true, uh, but solid state is necessarily paradoxical. So either way, Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. how how is solid state paradoxical? How is well, multiverse a cop out? Solid state, y- y- it doesn't really address the problem of what goes, ha- what happens if you go back in time and kill your mother. No, no, it totally does. Our mother's already <laughs> dead. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> come on, so, come on. So basically, Jeremy, give that to, Jeremy, Jeremy. Give that to me. Solid, solid I'm state. I'm you, Danny. Solid state would argue that, that, that you literally brutal. cannot do that. Good, right? 
But the reason is that you you like it wasn't part of the timeline. Like it, it either is or isn't. Like you, if you go back in time, you can't do it because it wasn't part of the original timeline. You can't do it because you didn't do it, and so you know if you, you go didn't back, if do you it because you're alive. But what something if, but will prevent but, that from happening? But self-correct. But what if you do it? No, you can't do it. You can't. But what do if it. you do? But you can't. No, 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 no. Okay, Jeremy, you're saying it with the wrong verb tense. It's not what if you do it. It's what if you did it. But what if you did? And you obviously didn't do it. Exactly. Because you're alive. You didn't. You can't do say it. what if you do it. It didn't. What's, you didn't. Well, so then the solid state model really says already. time travel is not possible. Yeah, I think that's kind of true. It's like what's the what's the fucking point of even having time travel then if you can't go back in time and kill your mother before you're born? Or at least at least at least at least at least time travel into the past. That's like the only thing I want to do. Like, well, sometimes you just want to go back to gather information. So you couldn't go and you couldn't go back and kill him. You go back as you, you would have to go back as an observer then if you Yeah, could. you can go back and you can like, you know, you can do whatever the fuck as it long just, as you like, can you can go back and kill Hitler, like if Hitler was killed by you. Exactly. I'm just saying. In the like, past. If I go back like, in time, in, in, I'm gonna... under the solid state model. Like you don't have to be careful when you go back in time because, like, whatever you do is already what part you did. of the timeline. You already did it. But so then, yeah. by definition, then time travel is not possible because you yeah. didn't do anything different. Because there were not like constantly surrounded by time travelers just doing whatever the fuck they want. They're like, hey, guess what? I can kick you in the nuts. <laughs> and they're just saying like, I oh, sorry. It's part of the timeline. Yeah. I can't help it. Oh. Sorry, oh. guess what happens Ooh, in the, the timeline now. hitting you. Why are you hitting you yourself? I guess it's part of the timeline. Oh. Oh. Only timeline. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fucking bullshit. We clearly understand time travel. In a way that applies to the multiverse model as well. Not really. The because, well, the timeline <laughs> part doesn't, but we're not surrounded by time travelers yeah, here probably. from other time, you know, from other multiverse timelines. The, the, I'm a little suggest that's not, that's that there's mo- no time travel. Interdimensional traveling, not time traveling. If an interdimensional traveler came and kicked me in the nuts, it might not necessarily mean that it wouldn't happen in another no, no, timeline. No, I, I think in the mini worlds model. I mean, a dimension is the wrong word. So, but yeah, like, when you yeah, travel when you, back in time, you're traveling to a another universe. In the so in the inter in the mini worlds model, when you you get into the DeLorean, do you have <laughs> to like? Do you, you get into you get into the phone booth? You get into right. the DeLorean. You put in the date. Do you have to also select like a random like? Oh, that's an interesting like point. a different a specific world that you want to go to as well. I don't think I, think, I, don't, I don't think you think, get to select uh, yeah, a world. I don't know. I, don't know. I probably... think I think it's that you split the timeline by traveling so back. So you can't there. go you can't be like, "Oh yeah, yeah I want to go back to I want to go back to the 1955 where everyone has green dicks." You so know, like, like so like <laughs> every every, every like literally every point in time is like a divergence, you know, where it yeah. like splits off into different worlds. With every possible yeah. So if you go back in time, you're, you're like you're in a sense it's like you're going back to like an ancestor universe. Yeah, it's just one more split, right? Like because so the multiverse it... is constantly proliferating new exactly. universes. Because it's ju- that's just nonsense. Honestly, they're both really fucking weird and cool yeah. to think about. I prefer steady state, solid state. I think I prefer solid state, but but just barely. 
I, I agree with Danny, though. The solid-state model, the more you think about it, the more it basically just boils down to time travel's impossible. Yeah, but I think it makes for some, like, kind of interesting, like, unless shit, you know? Because, like, you could uh, that, go back in time. Is... Like, let's say you go back in time and you try to kill George Washington. I figure Hitler's, like, too much of a target, you know, so... Yeah, George Washington. Oh, yeah. That's, no one's gonna see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, like... Um, under this model, like you know, if you like go after him with a dagger or something, like something is something gets in your way. So you that's know? you're talking about like history self self corrected timeline self corrected. No, no, that's absolutely not right. Wait, so it's like, not that it's no, no, because, no, because no, no, listen, no, no. listen, it no, whatever happened no, when you it's not self correcting. No. <laughs> it is it because is whatever what it you, is. you went back and you had a dagger wherever the dagger was before you went back and picked it up. That's already having changed the timeline. No, no, you can't so, change it. No, you well, it okay, happened. But so, so, so there so was some dipshit monkeys. really wielding a dagger. No, that was you. You were the dipshit. What, so what I'm saying is, monkeys, this, when you what saw I'm that Bruce thing, Willis, if you, so try, Bruce if you go back and try to do air, that, he's on the jet something and will he, prevent like, you. Sees yeah. He, I'm talking as well. We're all talking at the same time. Getting shot. What if all of us? You know what? I can get what's going on now. I'm just gonna go strangle that fucking kid. I don't need to go strangle that fucking kid right now. I'm just talking as Chris. What are you doing back here in this time? Fucking head Chris, no! Don't stab me with a dagger. It's all future, Chris. Future, Chris is gonna kill me. Future, Chris. No. So then, what happens then? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, Jeremy does raise a good point. Well, yeah, like what happens if Bruce Willis is just like I'm going to strangle that fucking kid in my as my dying act? Now, he was already in, dead in La Jetée. Well, he was dead yeah. the whole time. He wouldn't be able to. Why not? He was sitting he, there. He, I mean, because he didn't. A, it's not. I mean, like he's yeah, just he a could, kid. But he's we just already a kid. know. That, but it's already a given that he didn't. Like we already know that he was dead the whole time. So why are they, why did, okay, then my question is, why do they keep sending people back in time at all? Well, I, I because believe they the did. plot is that they're, it's they're, the same no, reason. no, 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 that's not, so they're not trying to change the timeline, they're trying to gather information. Oh, I thought they were, I thought they were trying to kill that motherfucker with the red hair. No, you mean uh, David Morse? No. Carrot top? Carrot top, that's it. They're, they're not trying oh, to kill Carrot I totally, Have we talked about how weird it is in the future? Wait, 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 wait. Have we talked about how weird it is that Carrot Top is so buff now? Wait, wait, wait. Jeremy, you're that would just be not thinking great fourth movie. dimensionally. That would be a oh, great it movie. Is. It is. A team of assassins go back in time to kill Carrot Top. Creating another universe. You you don't have to go back in time to kill Carrot Top. You can kill him right now. He's still alive. <laughs> yeah, see, no, you can't kill him now, Jeremy. Damn right. He's too buff. <laughs> oh, that's true. I need to go He's back to powerful. when he was asleep. I need to get really... Maybe I should just go back in time to, like, and, like, get really pumped up myself. <laughs> So that, like, by the time Carrot Top gets really pumped up, I'm even more pumped up, and I can kill that motherfucker! You kick him in the nuts. Listen, I can tell you more about time in seconds than you can hear in years. Like, time. Time? What time is it? Time? Time? It's six o'clock. Tea time. Time to take a pill! You've been listening to Bear Friend Tea Party the world's only and most sexual podcast. Pain.
what? most erotic podcast. You can you can to... reach us at www.flowersofdisgust.com. Make a one-time donation on our Patreon and page. Barefriend Tea Party at aol.com. Enter www.audible.com slash barefriendteaparty to download... Before we sign audio. off, I'd like to take another shout-out to our sponsor, Naturebox. I I tried some of their, uh, their like, uh, groat-encrusted glass shards. Hot-buttered groat clusters? <laughs> Dyrofoam-ranged rug monsters? I tried... No, I tried some of their, uh... Some of their, uh...